What the hell was that? It's the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 33. And now, the music we love and are used to. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hi and welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast. If you stick around to the end, we will solve the mystery of the weird music. But today, let's start out with the topic, and the topic is creativity. Now, by far the richest and liveliest account on creativity that I have read by a scientist is the book um, called simply Creativity by Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. He analyzed over 100 in-depth interviews and investigated creativity for over 30 years. Today I will quote and summarize some of my favorite passages from the book. I hope that this will get you thinking about what role creativity plays in your life, how you express it, and in what ways you would like to perhaps allow more creativity back into your life. Now let's start out with the general insights. Basically, what they found was that it's easier to enhance creativity by changing conditions in the environment instead of trying to make people think more creatively. So instead of trying to, you know, change your brain, it's easier to just change your environment, getting a change of scene, going different places, doing stuff you normally don't do is usually easier an easier way to get more creative than trying to do it yourself although of course today we will hear a lot of a lot of factors which will help us to become more creative um, intentionally it is necessary to think about the price we pay for creativity as well and i found that very interesting because some things like creativity and um, innovation we only talk about the upsides but we don't really talk talk a lot about well what is the problem? And basically the problem with creativity is that it takes a lot of effort to change traditions, to change how things have been done. And that explains why our brains, which developed from an evolutionary point of view to help us save as much energy as we can. So our brain will kind of often be like, nah, just, you know, just do it the way it's always been done. Don't try to overexert yourself. You'll just you know use a lot of energy and then if you don't find any berries or something you will just feel very dizzy and that makes no sense at all that's what our evolutionary brain might tell us although there are of course luckily other influences in our brain which encourage us to pursue creativity now what has been found as well is that creativity does not just happen anywhere it tends to happen at the intersection of different cultures where beliefs and lifestyles and practices all come together in new ways and the people who live in a city like that usually it's a city but not always um, they see new combinations with greater ease and it's it doesn't mean that in a uniform culture there is no creativity it just means that it takes a greater investment of energy and attention and focus to achieve creativity in a place where most people, you know, have the same history and the same story. Now, creativity does not happen in people's heads, 
but it's actually the result of what happens when a person thinks about what's happening in the world and experiences the social cultural context um you know, an easier way is just to say, like, the interaction between a, a human and the world around them, and or several humans and the world around them. And what is also kind of interesting is that when we are not focused on doing anything specific, specific, our thoughts, they tend to return to the most predictable state, which is, as I mentioned before, the state that takes the least amount of energy. And that is just random thoughts shooting around our brain and we are just, you know, maybe slightly confused. Now, Csikszentmihalyi did a lot of research on what creative personalities are, what kind of traits and features these people have. Now, what's important is that none of this is fixed in stone. And although the researchers has observed these things, it doesn't mean that if you lack one or two of these traits that you can't be creative. It just means that the more of the traits you have, the more likely it is that you are creative. What we don't know is whether the opposite works. So let's say if you want to become more creative, will it help if you try to intentionally develop those kind of characteristics? We don't know that. And the thing about this kind of research is that it's really hard to do because where do you find individuals who will be willing and able to invest, you know, maybe perhaps years of their life to try to become more creative intentionally. So that's something we don't know. However, as I always say, why wait for the science? If you're someone who is excited and interested in life, you can just try these things out by yourself. And it's not like other areas of psychology where I would maybe be a little bit more cautious. You know, there are some areas where it might be dangerous if you just try things out. But in terms of creativity, you know, fire away, have fun, try to see which of these things that we talk about today um, appeal to you and then just see if you can have more of that in your life. Now, one thing that they found is that creative people seem to harbor opposite tendencies between extroversion and introversion. And what do they mean by this? Often people think of themselves as either extroverted or introverted. But actually what they found is that creative people are very, very much both. That means that you have to be able to be alone normally when you want to write, paint or do experiments. And it was it has been found that teenagers who cannot stand being alone, they tend to not be able to develop their skills at the same rate as peers who can be alone because whenever they practice music or study math or do anything like that, they have to be alone and they dread that so they so they can't really develop those skills. Yet over and over again it has also been found that, of course, just being alone in itself does not necessarily um, make a creative individual because people need to talk to other people. They need to exchange ideas. They need changes of scene. They need to get to know other person's works and how they think to be able to be inspired themselves. Another interesting thing that has been found in the field of creativity is that when tests are done of masculinity and femininity, um, when young people take those kind of tests, over and over, it has been found that creative and talented girls 
are often more dominant and tough than other girls, and creative boys are more sensitive and less aggressive than other guys. And this is often, you know, people often think like, oh, that's, it's often confused with with homosexuality. So people think like, oh, if you're a more sensitive boy, maybe you're gay, or if you're a tough girl, then then you'll become a lesbian. And, and this is not necessarily the case, although it could be, obviously. But what has been found is that the ability to hold these kind of tensions, which means the tension between, let's say, being um, a tough girl, but also being able to be sensitive and and you know kind of understanding and intuitive like girls are you know trained to be and supposed to be and maybe are from an evolutionary point of view um that creates the kind of tension in which creativity truly finds a home and similar with the boys you know the boys who can be you know they're maybe a little bit more sensitive but they can also be aggressive at times and this tension creates the energy that f- seems to fuel um, creativity quite a bit. And when they looked at the most important quality in creative people, Cheeks and Mihai said that maybe the most important thing, and that was present in all creative interview um, people that they interviewed, is the ability to enjoy the process of creation for its own sake. So you're not just creating you know a book you know writing a book or painting a painting because you want to get a lot of money or you know you learn to play the guitar so all the girls will fall for you but actually it's those individuals who can truly enjoy the process the work um, putting in the work enjoying it developing it those are the ones who are most likely to be creative they also found that creative individuals find out surprisingly early what their best rhythms are for sleeping and eating and working and they actually try to try to live by that and sometimes that can be a little bit difficult because in lots of societies we are expected to get up early and and you know if you don't if you want to sleep longer people assume that you're lazy but often creative individuals they're very attuned to their needs and if they can they try to live by it and if you have let's say a creative child it's probably very helpful if you can just let them you know live by their own rhythm and th- it was also found that you know creative people among them einstein was famous for that they wear clothes that are comfortable they only interact with people they find interesting and they do things only because they think they're important they don't want to waste time doing stuff that they don't think is important and all of these tendencies can make it very hard for the people around them. You know, it's not for nothing that lots of people think that creative people are strange and difficult to get along with, and sometimes that's true. Um, but if we want to kind of live in a society where creativity can flourish, it might help to develop a more accepting point of view if towards yourself if you're a creative who tends to have this ten- these tendencies. And if someone else in your, you know, who is a loved one or close to you has these tendencies that you don't just think like, oh, they're annoying or they're seeing themselves as being, you know, above anybody else. But actually, it's a it's a way of preserving energy, um, because think about the clothes. If you don't have to 
think about oh how you know what is the fashion and how what am i expressing with this and you know like steve jobs he always wore the same the same freaking pullover right and and that basically helped him to stop making decisions and wasting his decision power on things that he didn't consider important so if you think about it like that maybe you can have a little bit more understanding either for yourself or for others who behave like that now it has been found interestingly enough that not all creative people are necessarily you know you see that in the when they're you know early kids and everything i mean they're probably creative but not like you know little geniuses all of them but what all of them are and what's really important is that there's a curiosity a burning drive and curiosity and hang on sorry it's curiosity all right drive is not the same thing drive is the next quality that's also really important and if you are driven it means that you can concentrate your attention on something in a more intense way and for longer periods of time than most people can and that's often what sets you know people apart who tend to master some kind of field is not necessarily that they will have a higher IQ but often that they just tend to stay longer and just be uh, and just are more motivated to stay with whatever it is that they're interested in another interesting finding was that it, although you can't say that that creative people are religious far from it Csikszentmihalyi did find that there was ultimately each and every one of them even if they didn't believe in a god even if they didn't belong to any kind of religion seem to have a broader sense of faith and they seem to think that there is like um, there is some meaning behind everything and this meaning you know this meaningful universe you can call it 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 made them feel you know relate to the world with a lot of awe and respect and curiosity and this has been found for both men and women now we talked a lot about the people let's talk about the conditions next so evidence does suggest that unusual and beautiful surroundings you know like uh i don't know like rivers uh rolling valleys and hills and the ocean all of that if it's beautiful it helps us to see situations more holistically and from novel viewpoints and it has also been found that while we're in a complex stimulating environment so that's a little bit of the opposite of what we just said that helps us um to gain new insights however it really depends on what we're trying to do in terms of creativity in terms of the creative process so for example if we're in a stage where we're looking and trying to find inspiration and trying to find um new ideas and insights it really helps to be in a bustling place like new york city or something however if we want to then go and look at all the different puzzle pieces and figure out how they they are put together then the before mentioned you know ser serene nature kind of stuff seems to be better um seems to be a better environment to to kind of understand how all the insights relate to each other another thing that is really interesting particularly if we think about how 
relationships um, in the artist community have been described. Lots of painters have been, f you know, painters and writers, they have been famous for, you know, having tons of girls and being playboys and all of that. And while that is certainly stimulating and might help to kind of bring a burning, fiery passion to everything, in the long run, most individuals that Cheek Sent Me High interviewed, they kind of understood that in the long run, it was a lasting and exclusive relationship which helped them to preserve the peace of mind they needed so that they could completely focus on their creative projects. And think about it, it makes sense. So if you're constantly fighting and yelling at your partner, all that energy that goes into yelling at him is not going into your writing, it's not going into your art. Although some might argue that, you know, maybe it can find its place there, so who knows? I mean, ultimately, you have to know if it's worth it or not. What they also found is that the really creative people rarely ever complained about their circumstances. They always just did the best with what they could do. Something that I find interesting, and that is maybe not exactly encouraged a lot, is this tendency to take the dreams and hunches seriously. So what I mean by that is, of course, we hear a lot of times, follow your dreams and do all of these. However, when it comes to concrete situations, let's say if you have a job offer, two job offers, and one is, you know, half the salary, but it's basically your dream. Is your whole family still telling you take the, the dream job, although it pays you half of the other job? And that's the thing, like in a generalized point of view, we like to believe that we encourage people to follow their dreams. But ultimately, when it comes down to making hard decisions, um, it's much easier to just go with the mainstream, go with the flow and ignore our dreams and ignore our intuition and that is something that a lot of creative people apparently do not do. They, they really take their hunches seriously and sometimes it really helps them actually to come up with the creative breakthrough that they've been looking at, the creative solution. Creative people also tend to take risk and to go beyond what has been done before in, the f in their fields. And at the same time, nobody wants to really just stay within their field they are all of them most of them are interested in a great variety of experience in art and music and literature so creative people don't just spend time you know if you're a scientist in the lab or if you are a um, painter painting but they're actually really interested in what else is going on in the world and how can they how can they put themselves in the midst of these experiences? Now, what's interesting is that often it has been found that those who push, really push the limits of their field tend to be very boring and conformist in the rest of their life. And again, that's easily explainable by this principle of wanting to conserve energy in order to be able to put the, the highest amount of energy into the field that that person is interested in. So what are the barriers to becoming a creative person? Well, John Gardner believes that lots of creativity is buried, hidden, and imprisoned by our fears, our low self-esteem, 
and the desire to hold on to convention. And many of these topics are actually addressed in positive psychology. For example, we talked about self-esteem in this podcast. Uh, we talk about, you know, authenticity and having the having the courage basically to maybe sometimes let go of convention in order to pursue something that's that's beyond that. And what Gardner also said was that the older most people get, the more they avoid risks that and those are the very risks that make us grow. So first you start out early as a kid and you you know you run around happily and you have like little failures and one by one you are kind of taught to not try again and that list grows and grows and by the time you're you know 45 there's a long list of things that you will never do and that really confines us and it really doesn't help us in our creativity other barriers that have been found um are about children who have been abused or have d- experienced chronic hunger or discrimination and they're more likely to not be curious at all and interested in novelty both of which is really important in order to be creative in later life and the reason is that if you are kind of harassed in in different ways all your life you, all the energy you need is basically needed to survive now one thing that's not exactly a barrier but that has to be kept in mind is that if you succeed at at cultivating creative energy you can't just assume that it will be there all the time after creative energy is awakened we really have to make sure that we protect it and we have to make sure that the things and the people that want to distract us from our creativity and from our work, that we can really find ways to safeguard against that. Next up is process. Now, I don't want you to get this wrong. It's not a recipe to some kind of process and creativity. It's much more about the quotes and findings that Csikszentmihalyi offered in regards to the creative process. Now, One quote I like very much, and it goes something like this. I'm fooling around, not doing anything, which probably means that this is a creative period. Although, of course, you don't know until afterward. I think it is very important to be idle. I mean, they always say that Shakespeare was idle between plays. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Shakespeare, but people keep themselves busy all the time are generally not creative. So I am not ashamed of being idle. That was a quote by the physicist Freeman Dyson. And think about how much it contrasts with everything that society teaches us. I mean, just imagine that you go to work on Monday morning and somebody asks, how was your weekend? And you just admit to them, you know what? I just sat on my butt for a straight six hours and I did absolutely nothing although I had a lot of books to read and my apartment is a mess too I don't know about you but as far as I can tell that's not exactly the kind of behavior that our society thinks is a good idea however we were talking before about the necessity to protect creative energy 
So if these people who are highly creative are to be trusted, it might mean that we might want to think about this need to be busy all the time. Very often when we look at a look up at role models, we want to discover their secret, whatever it is that they do that we know nothing about. And if only we would do this, we would become as great as them. However, what the research has found was that it's not so much about what these really creative people did, but how they did it. And what they mean by this is just being an engineer or a carpenter in itself is not something that's enjoyable or brings you anything, actually. But if one does it in a certain way, then it can become really, really rewarding. So here it's about quality and not necessarily some kind of secret. And the quality of our attention, the quality of our actions. Mindfulness is an interesting example. So if we do things mindfully, chances are we enjoy them more. And if we enjoy something more, we do it more often we become better at it. And if we become better, we get more enjoyment out of that. That's just one of many different examples. Now, another thing they found about the process is that when we think intentionally, our thoughts are basically forced to follow in a very logical, straightforward way. So that makes them very predictable. But when attention is focused on something else, then our mind can roam. And that's why in, you know, in ancient times, the philosophers, the Greek philosophers, they all used to walk around and have their philosophical discussions. And why would they do this? Well, the walk, it consumed some energy and some focus, but just enough to kind of, you know, it gave them a good mix of of basically movement, of stimulation, and it held their attention, but not to the certain degree that they couldn't think about anything else. So the act of walking really helps to let our brain find associations that it otherwise wouldn't have. It We were just sitting at a desk thinking very linearly. Now, what are some of the outcomes First of all, even if we don't have the good fortune to make any major discovery or, you know, somehow make it into the history books, the love of the creative process, this joy of learning stuff and becoming better and creating stuff, that's something that we can all do. All of us, every single one of us can do that in some way or the other. And in a similar vein, Every little discovery we make, even if it's not huge for humanity, it can it, it's really exciting at the moment when you figure something out, even if it's the dumbest thing, it makes you happy. And those two things alone, like the joy of creation, the joy of discovery, even if creativity had no other benefits, I think personally that that would be worthwhile just because of that. And something intriguing they found also was that when talking about outcomes, if somebody's tr- really, truly, truly creative, in the end, they were forced to create their own jobs. For example, you couldn't be a psychoanalyst before Freud existed or closer to our times. Think about, 
you know, these people who are, I don't know if you've heard about Dancing Matt, but basically Dancing Matt is some young dude who travels and just decided to dance with the people he encountered. And now he's not a dancer or anything of the sort. Actually, I think from what he says and also from what I've seen, he's not a horrible dancer, but definitely, definitely not a good one either. But he dances with so much joy that his YouTube videos have been, you know, clicked on for millions and millions of times. And that made, I don't know, some kind of chewing gum brand in the end decided to pay for his travels. And I mean, that's a job that simply did not exist. Same with lots of bloggers, some podcasters, not me sadly, but some podcasters I believe can even make a living from podcasting. And that job did definitely not exist um, 10 years ago or, or 15 years ago. And so that's what something they've found, you know, the outcomes of creativity, they can really lead down quite interesting and mysterious ways. A quote that I really like from this book um, is by Csikszentmihalyi himself. And he says, A person aspiring to wisdom knows that the bottom line of a well-lived life is not so much success, but the certainty we reach in the most private fibers of our being, that our existence is linked in a way, in a meaningful way, with the rest of the universe. Now, a professional podcaster would probably make this moving quote the end of the episode. And I wish I thought I had thought about that before, but I didn't. And I promised you guys that I would tell you what the weird military music was doing at the beginning of this episode. Now, it has absolutely nothing to do with psychology. It has nothing to do with creativity. It has everything to do with weird customs. So, if you're in a hurry and you have no interests in snowmen and weird Swiss traditions, see you next week. Have a good week. If you do, I don't really want to explain too much about it because frankly, for some weird reason, although I've lived here all my life, I really don't understand this festival. All I can say to you is that today is Sachsilute. I can't take, tell you a lot about the honorable or less honorable, you know, history of this festival. All I know is that today, grown-ass men are going to sit on horses, they're going to have people throw flowers and bread and all kinds of other things at them, they're going to have lots of that kind of music because that's the official Sarsilute theme, and then they will proceed to ride to a place called the Sarsilute Plots, the plaza kind of, and it's in my hometown of Zurich. And at 6 p.m., I'm going to the soon, it's 5.15 now, so I have to hurry a little bit. At 6 p.m., we will set fire to a snowman that's stuffed with fireworks. And basically, what happens is that these grown-ass men will ride around that snowman, that burning snowman, until the head explodes. And... 
if the head explodes, you know, within like 10 minutes, it's supposed to be a good summer. If it takes longer, not so good. Me personally, what I like most about this festival is the opportunity to bet. You can bet on how long it takes to to for the head to explode. And today, today I'm betting on 11 minutes with a friend of mine. And she suggested that we, you know, whoever loses has to pay the Starbucks drink. And I said, all right, but whoever loses has to sit in said Starbucks wearing a Tina Turner 80s wig. So wish me good luck with that. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at Kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>